You want the facts? We want to share them. Together, we boldly unpack the deeper truths inside the real estate industry's most relevant issues. This is Getting Real with Rob. Hello, and welcome to Getting Real with Rob. Today, we have our special, very special guest and newly minted, Allison Craig, the planning director for the city of Charlotte. Welcome, Allison. Thanks for having me. How, how is it going today? How's your week going? It is great. It is always busy at the city of Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yes, it is. Let's start by learning a little bit about Allison. Can you tell us a little about your background, where you grew up, what brought you to Charlotte? Sure. So I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina, went to school at Chapel Hill and um, began a career actually in the marine science field. Many people don't know that and sustainable development and slowly over time, really wanting to understand how decisions were made, how prioritizations occurred at the city, state and federal level and slowly made my way into policy and then ultimately into real estate. So did a stint as a real estate developer down in Florida and here in North Carolina before then moving back into the public sector. So working for the university before I came to the city and now I've been with the city since 2018. So I came to Charlotte really just to get closer to family members that were living in the Carolinas and just to um, move into a different development role. So for those who are Seinfeld fans out there, you would get the marine biologist reference of George Costanza. <laughs> that's, that, that's, I have heard that before. My fiance is a huge Seinfeld fan, so oh, I've gotten that before. <laughs> excellent. I think I like him a lot already. <laughs> Well, one of the things, uh, and it's backed by popular demand, I will tell you, is the speed round. This gives us an opportunity to get to know our guests very intimately in a very short period of time. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I need a response as quickly as, as you can give it. Are you ready to get started? Sure. All right. You excited about this? I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's start. Favorite author and book, if you have it. I do not have one. I'm running a department and I have a tween and I don't really read a lot except when I'm on vacation. So I'm more in the speed of podcasts and articles. But if you have any book recommendations, please send them my way. Fair enough. Fair enough. Richard Russo is a good author. Uh, we can talk about that later. So how about favorite dessert? Cake. 100% birthday cake, wedding cake. In fact, the day the UDO was adopted and the day that I Finalized myself as the permanent planning director. I drove straight to my favorite place, Edible Art, and bought myself a cake on both of those occasions. That's great. You know, they do great products. Oh my out there. Gosh, We've done birthday cakes for them from them as well for our daughter and others. Okay, vacation spot. <sighs> favorite cities would be Barcelona and Shanghai, but my favorite vacation that I took was recently in January. I went on a cruise. I am not a cruise person. Um, I like to travel in more exotic places, but... I was able to unplug for an entire week on an adult-only vacation, and it was exactly what I needed. Where was that? We went in the Caribbean, so it was Belize, Cozumel, um, Bahamas. So it was oh, a nice. tour, a little tour of, particularly in January, uh -huh. being able to go where it's warm. I mean, that was pretty divine too. Absolutely. All right, how about restaurant? I like to try different restaurants. The most recent ones I've tried have been Supperland, and probably the best one I've tried recently is Restaurant Constance. Mm. So super good food there. 
probably the place I've been the most in my life would be Cowfish because that's my daughter's favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I went there last weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So I like it, um, but that's my daughter's favorite, so I go there a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, they they do good. They have a good product. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. I'm okay with that. All right. Now, since we've talked about consumption of food, all right, what do you do to work it off? What you have a favorite workout or activity? I pretty much work out every morning. That's my way of decompressing, processing stress, and frankly, I like to just I take a class because I want someone else to be in charge for an hour, and I don't have to make any decisions. I can just do whatever they tell me to do. So I used to go to Flywheel before the pandemic. That was my go-to place, and now I do a mix of Peloton, Hilliard Studio Method, and Bass Method, which is an all-body toning thing that one of my best friends does. That sounds great. So it wouldn't be so hidden after you tell us, if you do tell us, but um, do you have a hidden talent that we all should know about? I would say I started off as a music major in college, so I uh, played the piano. I quickly learned that I didn't want to spend that much time in a really small room playing the piano all day. <laughs> or, or with me in this room today. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd have to actually spend a lot more time than just an hour playing the piano. But the other unique thing I would say that I inherited from my father is I have a unique ability to find four-leaf clovers. Wow. And so um, the other day I was on the, the newest stretch of the Greenway right there off of Woodlawn, which is amazing. Yep, I've run it. And um, I found 11 four-leaf clovers that day. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We- <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not really sure what you do with that, but maybe I'm just really lucky. <laughs> I feel like we're just going to scratch the surface. We need to we need to do this show every week. There's so much. All right. Okay. Last one. If you had a superpower, what would it be? I mean, clearly seeing into the future, because you imagine how great of a planner we could be as a city <laughs> if we could see into the future and knew what was going to happen, and then we could correct our course. I mean, obviously. <laughs> I love how you segue it back into work. That's great. That's very good. Actually, that's very good for this podcast, because right. we'd like to know a little bit about, obviously, the UDO, Unified Development Ordinance, takes effect June 1st. A lot of work on that, a lot of work to this point, a lot of work going forward. Tell us kind of how you feel about things now, what the plan is. That's a huge loaded question, but let's just start there. Okay. I mean, I'm really excited about the UDO. We've, of course, spent a lot of time working on that. It's a really important tool for implementing the comprehensive plan. I think it provides better transparency, predictability, better design standards. I mean, I've done development work in many other cities, and I mean, having all of the ordinances and all the different pieces written at different times over the last 30 years was a nightmare to work with. It's not helped doing any good for anybody, whether it's the development community or the community. So I'm excited about that. I think, I mean, to be real with Rob here. (laughs) um, (laughs) I like how she brought that in. It's good. good. There are additional requirements that developers are going to have to bring to the table, like more open space, stormwater standards. I mean, and we talked about transportation earlier. There are some additional transportation improvements that are required. And I think that's really for the betterment of our community. It's really what advances the comprehensive plan. In exchange for that, I think you're probably going to have more conventional rezonings, and so not having to have a site plan just because, you know, we've built in basic and important standards into the different zoning districts. You've got more height. You've got more flexibility. So I think the development community is getting something in exchange for also providing much-needed benefits to the community. We've got some cool tools that I'm really excited about that I think help both the development community and the community. So different overlays that really empower residents to protect certain character elements of their communities. There's different bonus items to advance city priorities. I'm excited about the affordable housing incentives. That's one of the things that 
I worked really hard on is like sitting down with developers, like what actually is going to move the needle to bring more affordable housing. And I mean, our favorite subject, duplexes and triplexes. That's <laughs> <laughs> very controversial in the comprehensive plan, but section 2.1 or oh, <laughs> well, policy 2.1. Oh, policy. Yes, yes. Yes. But I mean, frankly, that's an important part of advancing just the needed housing supply. But at the end of the day, the UDO is there to make our community better, is to help the good projects go through faster. And so, and we know it's not perfect. We are open to text amendments and know that we'll have a regular schedule of that. In fact, we already have four proposed for adoption on Monday. So, and we will continue in that cycle. So it'll be a living document that I think will be used to just improve the quality of life in Charlotte. What do you think in terms of, you mentioned text amendments, do you see like a regular sort of cadence to that going forward? Can you talk a little bit about that? And I do. And I'm really happy that our council is open to that because I think that's one of the problems that Raleigh had is that they adopted a unified development ordinance and then they had a council that was very hesitant to make changes. And so, I mean, we want to learn from unintended consequences, want to be able to implement new ideas. There's lots of other work going on in the city, like an anti-displacement strategy, different transportation conversations. And we want to be able to update it as we learn new things. And so I see a regular occurrence of text amendments that some would be administrative in nature. So technical things that people hit roadblocks when they're going and permitting and there's no policy implications, but we want to make sure we get those corrected and revise as quickly as possible. But I think we'll have some policy conversations too. And we've got an advisory committee that will take to kind of bounce ideas off before going into the community and talking about what our recommendations might be. You mentioned the sort of the administrative stuff. Is there a body that sort of advises on that? Or is there a group that sort of says, hey, yeah, this needs to be fixed here and there? Yeah, we use the, um, it's called DSTAC or Development Services Technical Advisory Committee, I believe is. That's a, um, that's a mouthful. <laughs> thank you. And so I think that's a really good sounding board for some of those administrative and technical questions that come up. I mean, those are ones in which there's really no policy implications. Sometimes there's unintended consequences in the ordinance. And we just, we don't want to get hung up on a word or a phrase in the ordinance that really doesn't, is misinterpreted or we didn't write in a very clear manner. And then you mentioned uh, the advisory group, and I know I'm, Full disclosure, I'm a member of that. <laughs> um, thank you. We also, there's a pretty broad cross-section mm -hmm. of the community on that. You want to talk a little bit about that group and kind of what their charge is? We spent this opportunity of getting the ordinance adopted to kind of reset that group and really think about making sure we had representation across the entire community, different demographic groups, different ages, ethnicities, et cetera. Wanting to make sure it represented just the full body of, of Charlotte. And so we did an application process, and we, I think we got over 100 applicants and narrowed that down to about 20 individuals. And I really feel like we have a good balanced group. I think the first conversation that we had was really interesting, and I'm, I'm happy to have that group just to be able to bounce ideas off of. So what happened to the other 80? How did I get on that? Did they, you know, <laughs> did they keel over or something? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, like, I enjoy having the opportunity to provide some, some input on that. I know the other members that are on that have found it valuable so far, and we mm -hmm. look forward to being engaged going forward as we continue to kind of work on that. So just to kind of reset for a second, so we had the plan, and you mentioned policy 2.1, the whole duplex-triplex thing, that was a big part of that, and probably resulted in a probably less than, we wanted a big majority in that vote, and it wasn't a huge majority, but we moved in the UDO, set the rules for, for everything. There's another piece to this, isn't there? Can you talk a little bit about the area planning and kind of how that, your vision for that, and I, I still think the January 1st, 2025 date of getting that approved would be amazing if you can pull that off. 
So Sure. So the area planning process isn't really the next step in implementing the comprehensive plan. And so we're wanting to start to take the vision and the values and the goals that we were looking at citywide and start to translate those into community areas. I mean, not all communities have the same priorities. There's just different things that different impediments that they may have or different challenges. And so really wanting an opportunity to go into the community and talk to them more specifically about their areas. And so the first phase of area planning, so this calendar year, is looking more closely at the map, the policy map that was adopted last March and making some refinements to that, you know, it wasn't perfect there. It wasn't it wasn't reviewed at a parcel level analysis because really at that point, really still thinking citywide. But this is an opportunity to provide some additional guidance from the community on what sort of adjustments we might want to make to the map. The second phase of area planning will really start to look at infrastructure, amenities and improvements that are needed in the particular communities with the idea that ultimately we end up with 15 different area plans. I mean, they're probably about 50 pages in length. And the reason why I think we can do that at that time frame is because we're not going back and and rehashing a new vision, new goals. It's really about starting to be more specific about what is the most important to that particular community. And so that's why I think we can get through that at a a different cadence. I mean, again, those will be, once those are set in place, then there's a regular cadence of updating those. I mean, we're just in the middle of, we we just haven't done a comprehensive plan. We haven't overhauled our zoning ordinance. We haven't done area plans for many parts of our city in decades, if ever. And so we're trying to get all the elements in place and then we can update them over time. Well, it's a it's a hugely ambitious goal, and I we will do everything we can to support those efforts. Certainly, to get down the road on that. Let me ask you about that. So, Rebic as an organization is we've had members that have been engaged in this process from the beginning, and I know that other entities have been at the table as well. What can you tell organizations like ours, or or community leaders, or or others in all across the spectrum, what they can do, kind of going forward to affect a positive outcome that I think we're all looking for going forward? I mean, I think the most important is engaging early and often. I mean, I will say with the real estate community, I mean, y'all are sometimes notoriously a little late to the party. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, and I think you're, you've been great at really just dissecting the technical details of the ordinance, which has been incredibly valuable. And I hope that continues because mm-hmm. that technical feedback is really helps us in making that a better document that accomplishes what we want it to accomplish. But regulations are founded in policy. And so, I mean, even outside of planning best practices, you know, to start with policy that involves the public in that conversation, and then you implement regulations to implement policy But that's even just part of the state statutes, too. Like, you have to have a comprehensive plan, comprehensive land use. And that's an important part of the process that I think a lot of people don't engage in because I I know everyone's busy. There's a thousand different things going on in the city and in our lives. But people are not engaging until there's something, something controversial that is occurring. And then suddenly everyone shows up and wants to have a say in it. But the most important thing you can do as the real estate community, as the general community, is to engage with us in these policy conversations. So, like, come to the area plan workshops, come and talk to us, give feedback to staff, because that's really where you can be the most impactful in changing or preserving or enhancing your community. And to be more precise, those are Tuesdays virtually, 
Thursdays in person and Saturdays in person. Correct. correct? Thursday evening and Saturday morning. Yes. Okay. What does somebody expect when they come to one of those? What's an expectation going in? Kind of what does that look like? How is this conducted? So we start off with a presentation where we just explain what the process is, what we're trying to accomplish, what the schedule is, what an area plan ultimately looks like, what the components of that plan are. And then we sit down at a table and start to look at specific areas in that particular geography and start to ask questions about, you know, we're challenged Let's say as an example, you've got industrial that's right directly adjacent to neighborhood one, which is our you know lowest density residential area. What sort of map changes should we consider? What is important? You know, is it more important to have the jobs or is it more important to protect the neighborhoods or is there some balance in between? And so we're sitting down and looking at areas specific to that geography and talking through sort of value-based questions to try and understand what's more important in that particular community. So, I mean, it's an opportunity to talk about specific areas that you know about, that you love, you care about, and give feedback to staff. So we've talked about sort of all the pieces and how they go together. What, three questions for you. <laughs> One, once all this is said and done, or will it ever be all said and done? Is this always going to be sort of an evolving process, number one? I would say it's always going to be an evolving process. The first, like I was mentioning, the first thing is to get all of the main elements in place. So we've got the comprehensive plan. Now we have the UDO. Now we're working on the area plans. And over time, I mean, we'll continue to update the comprehensive plan. We'll certainly continue to update the UDO. And the area plans will be updated on a regular cadence. But it won't be so hard as when you're trying to put it all together the first time. And so we want it to be fresh and uh, revised as things change and evolve and not have these things sit on the shelf. And so get the elements in place. And then, yes, we'll be in a pattern of revising them over time. So having said that, what would you say, obviously, you're very passionate about the city of Charlotte and kind of how things will will grow and into the future. What's your favorite thing about your job and what you do and your, your sort of piece of that? Ooh, that's a good question. I think my favorite Part of my job is just the ability to impact and influence things for the better for the city. I do love Charlotte. I think Charlotte is, it's a big city with a small town feel with some growing pains and it's got all of these great elements and just the fact that we're responsible for planning for the city for the future. I think it's an incredible opportunity and responsibility that we have And I'd say the other favorite part about my job is my staff. I mean, I'm really fortunate to have the talented individuals that I have working for the planning department. I know there's a lot of places that are struggling to find talent or attract talent. And I always laugh when I go to some of these real estate events or community events where they're talking about commute worthy job offices. And I'm like, I'm not, I don't think I'm, I see a wine bar and bring your doggy to work day at the city of Charlotte. So I'm grateful that even without all those amenities that I can attract the kind of talent that we have. And I think it's just because of the transformative work that we're doing right now. I mean, just the opportunity as a planner to be able to work on some of these projects, I think is, it's pretty impactful. That's well said. Do you see going forward, because you're going to have to add additional staff to, you know, with the additional responsibilities, do you see that 
happening in the time frame that you're hoping for? Or? Adding staff? Yeah. We're very fortunate in all the conversations that we've had with the manager's office, looking at what we're trying to accomplish, implementing the UDO, and they are proposing, you know, the manager's budget is out now. Of course, it's now in the hands of city council. And so, you know, that can go any direction at this point. But he did propose adding staff to a planning department just to help with all the stuff that we have going on. So I'm very fortunate to have that support from the manager and the budget director. That's great. That's, uh, I know we're all happy to hear that in the, uh, yeah. in the real estate community. Yeah. Okay. So what's the least favorite thing about your job? Hmm. I don't really have a least favorite job. I mean, it's, I, I feel as though the farther you move up in leadership roles, a lot of times you spend a lot of time doing you know human resources kinds of things. And those can be challenging, but thankfully I really haven't had very many of those. I mean, sometimes I wish I had more opportunity to kind of get down into the details and in the plans and start to put on, you know, your early professional planner hat. So I don't get to do those things quite as often. I feel like a lot of times it's more doing podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Spend an hour in a room with a schmuck like me. Yeah, right. exactly. So, um, but, you know, yeah, that's still fun, though. <laughs> Good. We want to end on a positive note. So, um, <laughs> so. I guess, is there anything else that you think we ought to know about or anything that you would request from us, us being just the broad real estate community builders, realtors, commercial folks, that we can do to be a positive part of this process, more so than we already are? <laughs> um, but anything you can leave us with? First of all, don't be late to the party. Come <laughs> early, engage early and often. One of the things that's I'm most passionate about is housing affordability. And so I think it's a major problem for our city. It's a nationwide issue. And it's something that I just feel very passionate about. And I'm always looking to how we can remove barriers to creating additional housing supply and creating just an affordable place. I mean, we were just having a conversation, an event, I think you were at the other day and talking about people sometimes can't even live inside the city limits because it's just not affordable. So how can we figure that out together? I've, you know, have a bunch of incentives in the UDO that I've really hopeful is is helpful. The duplexes and triplexes are really important in that conversation of, you know, both the work of Dr. Chu from the Children's Klein Center for Real Estate. You know, his work has found supply, supply, supply is the answer. I've also been working with Edward Pinto with AEI Housing Center. We had a really great conversation about light touch density, walkable-oriented development. It's not just about TOD. And then really starting to think about what other barriers are there. I think there are some with the building code. And so can we work together to find ways to to make some changes, whether it's with the building code or even with licensing? I've heard some things about just the commercial versus residential contractor licensing. So what can we do together to try and make things easier for people to provide needed housing in our community? So that would be something that I would love to have more conversations about. I'll even mention, too, there's been questions about do regulations put an undue burden on the community to be able to provide that? So it's something I'm looking into. But I think that's really what I'd love to have more conversations about is how we can increase our housing supply and improve affordability. Well, I will tell you, we are excited about that. That is something that we engage consistently, and we're excited that you are passionate about that because we're always looking for partners in that yep. regard. Thank you very much, Allison Craig, Planning Director for the City of Charlotte. Thanks for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. And getting real with Rob. <laughs> getting real with Rob. <laughs>